0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep, and more. When you're imagining the way you want to give birth, chances are you're not dreaming of a hospital with lots of steel, fluorescent lights, and random beeping noises. If you're giving birth in a hospital, though, This can be what you end up with, particularly if you have a caesarean section, planned or emergency. Janet Purcell doesn't think it has to be that way. She's a positive birth advocate and registered nurse. Hi, Janet. How are you? Hi. How much impact can a woman's surrounding have on her experience of birth?
1: Well, I think that even asking the question is quite powerful because I meet a lot of people that feel like they don't have any impact or that they don't have any input into how they birth within the system. And that's simply not true. I mean, if we look at the system as um, a business, then we are consumers. And considering the amount of birth trauma that we're having reported, the system isn't really designed for a really individualized experience when it comes to birth and birth gets put under the medical side of things because that system works and it's easier with ratios and staffing and stuff like that but it's not it's not a medical event it's a normal life event so you have lots of input you pretty much can do most things people think that you know you have to behave in a certain way. And, and we do this, you know, subconsciously as well. You know, we, we're good patients. We're good girls. We go into hospital and we put on the gown and we put on our names in case we forget them. And <laughs> and then we're, you know, so, and we want to lie down because, you know, the movies tell us to lie down and wait for your baby to fall out. So we do that. <laughs> um, and we don't have to do any of those things. So I tell people, you know, you can do whatever you want and you don't have to do any of what they ask you. You you can make an informed decision on everything.
0: It's so interesting you say that because I, was, I had two births in hospital. I did have lovely midwives and the experience was good for both of them. However, everything that you say is 100% true in the fact that I was very conscious it's almost like I was going to school although I wasn't obviously um but it it did feel like that and you know what part of me was also thinking I better make these people like me by being good so that they are nice to me while I'm in labor yeah. so I don't know how well, much of you that... were onto to
1: something there because you know the kind of day that the staff are having potentially will impact your birth experience it shouldn't but it does
0: Yeah, well, everyone's human, aren't they? So let's talk about the things that you can control. And you're saying that you can have input into, let's start with when we plan for a birth, a vaginal birth, not a caesarean birth, and we're doing it in hospital. Depending on the kind of uh, support you choose or the way you want to give birth, you can either end up in a birthing suite or a hospital room. Um, I have been led to believe I went into a birthing suite and we were told we could bring things in to make the room more comfortable and that the rooms themselves were a little bit more comfortable than a hospital room. So is is it easier to bring things into a birthing suite than it is when you're giving birth in the hospital, just a normal room? No, you can do what
1: you like. Uh, what I will say is, is that while I sound like that that sounds easy do whatever you like um you do need to be mindful and I will say this because I am a nurse myself so I and I've worked in all areas of nursing so I kind of just like in aged care and in palliative care we try and replicate a comfortable safe and you know homely environment because that's where we feel safest that's where we heal and recover so we make those efforts for those other parts of nursing and those other, you know, areas of life and births should be no different. So what you'll find is is that a purpose-built birthing unit looks kind of more like a hotel room than it does, um, you know, like a theatre. And and that's because the research tells us that women who birth in a home-like environment are more likely to have a positive outcome. They're less likely to have any unnecessary interventions. The uptake of breastfeeding is higher on women that birth in homely environments. But that's not to say that you'll only have that chance if you go to a birth suite or like a a birthing unit. You can create a home-like environment because what is home-like? You can create it anywhere. So I kind of try and instill this in people when we're preparing. What are the things that you are really important to you that you feel kind of set your mind at ease and make you feel comfortable. So I often tell people, bring your own pillow with you. You don't have to have this, you know, squeaky, crunchy pillows in hospital. They're easy to clean, but they're not comfortable and they're not yours. (laughs) So bring your pillow. Um, I often recommend bringing a different color pillow so it doesn't get chucked in the laundry and you'll never see it again. But bring (laughs) your pillow. Bring like a a light throw blanket. It doesn't have to be a warm blanket. It doesn't have to serve any purpose, but just the visual reminder of this is part of my home and it's here now with me. Because during birth, you're not completely tuned into the tiny, fine little changes that happen around your environment. So just having familiar smells. So we talk about aromatherapy, lots of um, birthing units and maternity units will have diffusers. I don't take that chance. I bring my diffuser with me, you know, like I don't need you to be poking around in a cupboard looking for it. This is my (laughs) diffuser. So I have it with me because one of the things that we tend to do in birth anyway is create a nest. So I'll often find women will end up in a corner somewhere, maybe facing the corner. And that's where we feel most comfortable because the space is secure You don't have to, I mean, think about your, you know, your ancient brain. You don't have to watch out for predators if you're in a corner. You know that you're safe. So that's why the bathroom ends up being a really common place to have a baby because it's the smallest room in the house and you can close the door and be in the dark.
0: So that's when you're, everything's going to plan and you're still on path to have a vaginal birth. But of course, we all know that it doesn't always work out that way. If you have an emergency caesarean, that can be quite confronting and frightening for women, at least the ones that I have spoken to. Do you have any tips on how we can make our environment more comfortable in that place, including the people who are involved in our care during that process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... um... I have a background in theatre and uh, not the arts, the operating (laughs) theatre. And I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who she is also a theatre nurse. And I've spoken to a couple of obstetricians about this as well, because I think this is really important. So first of all, I'll start with saying that while birth is not predictable, I do think it's important to plan if your plan A turns into plan B or C, Because in order to make informed decisions, you really need to know what kind of decisions you'll be required to make. So I'll then take out the emergencies, the true emergencies. So a true emergency cesarean is where there is a sudden change in the condition of the mother or the baby. And there is no time for a spinal anesthetic or for an epidural. Those mothers will be as quickly as possible put to sleep under a general anesthetic they won't be aware of when their baby is born. And I and I do consider cesarean birth as birth, so they won't be aware of that. And then you can imagine what it would be like postoperatively waking up. You're kind of you've got a bit of drugs on board. You know, you have that area of fuzziness. So for those women, while, while they have very much need need to surrender to being cared for by people, for their sake and the and the health of their baby, there are still ways that we can reduce the impact of this. I would always recommend planning these things because you just want to make it easier for your birth partner too because they don't want to be feel like they're making 100% of this decision as well. So I think in an emergency, you'll be literally down in theatre within minutes. So in that case, somebody can take pictures for you. So it might be as simple as, handing over a phone and saying you hand it to the midwife say can you give this to the anaesthetist to take some pictures because once you're asleep that's kind of when the there cesare- the operation part starts so but once there's it starts to settle down then after that so you can have some pictures um you can ask for things like skin to skin with your birth partner or be it your husband or whoever is with you while You're recovering and waking up. You can ask for the baby to be placed cheek to cheek with you initially so that baby knows you're there when they come out. You wouldn't be awake for this, but I think it's still important it happens. All of those things can actually connect you back. While I'm not saying that this would reduce trauma to a way that you would deem it not traumatic, it will still be traumatic, but it might, when you're ready, help you piece pieces back together of your story and um yeah there's there's still ways you can have some input in that even under general anesthetic so that's our category ones there there's not a lot of wiggle room there so we're putting those ladies aside now we're talking about the category two so category two cesarean isn't really a we gotta do this now more of a we're gonna plan to do this soon So depending on, of course, the health of mum and baby, um, the timelines are a little bit variable on here. So say, for example, if a mother had um, been labouring for quite a long time, they had reached a stage where, you know, the condition was the same for a long time. Mum was getting tired and maybe there was a discussion around these are our options. And then mum chose, well, I I really don't think that I want to do much more of this. Can we do a cesarean? So In that case, there's still a lot of ways that you can be uh, very much safe and supported within a, um, even though it was unplanned to begin with, um, very much safe and supported. So in those cases, because they're not quite the emergency, it's likely that a birth photographer would be allowed in with you. I'd suggest checking that out in advance because theatres do try and they're very choosy about who they let in. And it makes perfect sense. Um, Your birth partner will be there. So they can take photographs or the anaesthetist can take photographs. I feel like the anaesthetist gets a lot of jobs, but I used to be an anaesthetic <laughs> assistant. I know how much work it is. <laughs> so they can take some pictures. <laughs> so in, And I suppose once we, we're heading down to, you know, theatre, it's really good if you had a document ready. Like, these are the things we want. I'm not saying you'll get them. But I think it's good to ask for them, because if the only thing it did was make people aware in the room that actually women want more, I think that can actually over time change culture too around birthing and cesarean birthing. So you can choose things like no talking. Like if you just want to get in the zone and listen and wait for to hear your baby cry, you can say no talking. Now, there'll have to be a bit of communication between the team, because obviously <laughs> they have to ask for instruments and things like that. But you can do that. If you wanted to include like something like aromatherapy, you can't bring your diffuser, but you could have some um, essential oils on a tissue or put them on your pulse points. If you, for example, were using birth affirmations, I personally like birth affirmations that encompass all kinds of birth things. So I don't really make it specific too often. You can still use birthing affirmations. When you're having a, your IV cannula put in, or when you're having an epidural, you can use like a birthing comb to trick that pain gateway theory into, you know, making you more comfortable for that. So you can really use a lot of the hypnobirthing type things, even for this situation. In fact, Hypnobirthing Australia have a cesarean specific course you can do as well, which is very interesting because I do think that it's important if we can remain feeling safe and and secure. That's important because... While medications have such a short life, they wear off so quickly, they don't really get to your baby. But if you go in and you are just hopped up on cortisol and things like that because you're understandably so frightened, your baby feels that. So if you can prepare to reduce the anxiety a bit, for example, if you were needle phobic, make sure people know that. You, you don't need to, you're not suddenly not needle phobic. People need to know that you need to, we need to put extra things in place to make these women feel safer. You can have your own playlist. I have I've often heard people ask, you know, what song were you thinking your baby would be born to? Or, you know, everybody in the room should introduce themselves. And if they're not, and if you're feeling like you're being a little bit left out here, because remember, you were literally the sun. Everybody is revolving around you. Like, this is your birth. So um, (laughs) ask people, who are you? What's your name? This is my name. Because you are very important and you should be treated that way. So I will say that more like you can even ask to turn off the lights or turn down the lights because you'll have full um, like room lighting. But then you'll have more specific theatre lighting that they can use to actually um, for the abdomen and stuff. So you can ask them to turn down the bigger lighting Ask, ask anyway. You might say no. And I'll be honest with you, turning on and off the lights won't make or break a beautiful birth, but it's worth asking.
0: Mm, And I love that because I do think that when you're in that scenario, I can imagine myself, I would be very, I'd be quiet as a mouse. I'd be like, oh no, I've got to let them get on with what they're doing. And I'm probably not necessarily comfortable with that. You know, I wouldn't be comfortable being quiet as a mouse
1: because no. there'd be those
0: things that you want. But I'd just be assuming I've just got to let them get on with this so that it all goes well. And if I, I interrupt, it might be the moment his hand slips and i lose the rest of my uterus.
1: Uh, they've done more cesareans than you have, I'll be honest. I'd <laughs> <laughs> be fairly confident. One of the things that I would ask is, did everybody sleep well last night? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what I <laughs> ask. Yes, As everybody but, had their coffee. Have you know? had a nice
0: nap? Um, have you had a good morning? Yes, How about a, exactly. We do a little meditation before you bring yes. my baby into the world.
1: And you know, some people want to know what's happening. Like I, I kind of know what's happening, so I would know where we were up to, but. Some people want to know so they'll want to know things like okay we're just putting down the sterile drapes now and the next thing we're going to do is, is we're going to expose your tummy and we're getting ready to meet your baby and now we're just getting some people want that script that they find that grounding and informative and they want to know some people don't want to know that so you may find quite the opposite that you're in there and you know the obstetrician may be saying something like okay, and I'm just going to make an incision now and it absolutely blows your mind. And it's okay to say, I actually don't want to know. Like, <laughs> yeah. tell me when my baby's out and then I'll get ready. <laughs> like, And that's okay too because yeah. not all of us enjoy that kind of detail.
0: No, I'm definitely someone who does not want to know. So tell me, if it's a planned caesarean, are there requests you can make or ways the caesarean can be conducted that make it potentially a more gentle birth. So I've heard the phrase a gentle caesarean and I have no idea what that means.
1: Well, um, yeah, there absolutely is. Now, what I will say with total honesty, if you have a private obstetrician and a birthing in a private hospital, you're more likely to have success on this one because the public system... I mean, they're running on smell of an oily rag. Like they really, it's it's about money and it's about staffing and numbers. In saying that, if you give context to the importance of these things, like for example, if a first birth was very traumatic for you and being actively involved in this birth, however it may happen, is integral to you. People should know that. You make sure it's written all over your notes. And then I think people give your kind of your request more weight. So there's two terms in kind of women-centered caesareans that you'll hear. One is gentle caesarean and one is mother-assisted caesarean. So a gentle caesarean, you've probably seen it around, is where they make the incision um, in the abdomen and they go down through the layers and then there's the baby. And then they'll, because in this case, I suppose, often when you see like a a gentle caesarean, the uterus will actually be contracting because the mother will have been in labor, so there's still contractions happening. So, um, a gentle cesarean is generally where the head is just shown out through the, the abdomen, so the head is out, and then they kind of let the contractions of the uterus or the movements of the baby guide the baby out, so ah. you see there's no rush. It'll often be very quiet. So what they're intending on doing is kind of slowing the transition of womb to world, really. Because, you know, when a baby's passing down through a pelvis, I mean, it's not a couple of seconds of a journey. It's a bit. <laughs> um,
0: and we wish yeah, it was. So that's what, but...
1: yeah, 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 it's definitely a journey. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of more the the kind of entrance into the world that people would be hoping would be more of a gentle kind of introduction to the world what i will say is is that that kind of birthing generally wouldn't be considered if it's a category one or two um because the reason you're having those is because something's not quite gone to plan so this is specifically for electives i guess Although you might have a wonderful obstetrician that might offer you those options and take them if you're interested. So that's a gentle cesarean. And a mother-assisted cesarean, in its simplest terms, means the mother puts their hands under the baby's armpits and gives them a little wiggle and a lift up out of... That's what it is. That's essentially what it is. So the mother is helping the baby out. That one is the one that you would have to really make your case with, unless you find someone that it's standard practice for them. And that's wonderful because it should be an option. So the reason that a mother-assisted cesarean is a bit more complex to organize is because in an operating theater, sterility and infection control is something that they have to be very strict with. You do not want to be introducing bacteria into an open wound, into somebody's abdomen. So that's why in a theatre setting everything that's green or blue is sterile so no touchy. So when you're talking about introducing a pair of hands, like a civilian pair of hands, into this sterile space you've got to really reduce the risk of infection. So for example some places will offer the mother a gown to wear a sterile gown so she'll have to be gowned and gloved and then like once your gloves are on they don't touch off of anything that isn't sterile so If it's really important to you, then you'll have your wits about you. You'll be guided, you know, into what to do. But if you think that you're going to be worried about maintaining sterility for you and your baby rather than actually watching your baby come out of you, then consider it. I'm not certainly not putting you off about it. And it's not for everybody. But if it's important to you, you make your case. So yeah, there's definitely ways around it, but there's a few different things you can do outside of lifting your baby out. You can ask for a clear drape. So a clear drape is a plastic drape. It's not as durable and as reliable as fabric and the um the like the disposable fabrics that they use, which is why hospitals wouldn't do it as standard. Um, so you'd have to negotiate that one. The other thing is is that. Not everybody wants to see a baby coming out of your abdomen. This might not be something that is tolerated. And I mean tolerated as as in physically tolerated by your birth partner. You don't want a birth partner on the ground (laughs) when you're having a baby. And it happens, Siobhan, like it
0: happens. (laughs) I believe it. So
1: that's definitely something to talk to them about. Like, how are you with blood? Are we okay with this?
0: (laughs) Goodness, mine came out. Vaginally, and he couldn't cope with that. So I don't think uh, he'd want to see the caesarean. So um, just to, to, to wrap up, how much impact do you think, particularly with caesareans, having those, that involvement makes for a mother? Uh,
1: I, I think potentially it could be the difference between reducing the risk of perinatal depression and postnatal depression. I think that it's definitely a risk reduction strategy for somebody, particularly if they've had trauma, even a traumatic vaginal birth. I'm not saying that trauma is only attached to one kind of birth. It's all birthing. I think if you're someone that wants to feel involved, you won't often be invited to be involved in the system. And it's not because they necessarily don't want you involved. It's just that The system's designed to get to the end result without much involvement on your part. It's designed that way. And that actually makes me very sad when I say that, Um, because you are the decision maker. Nothing happens without you. I think it's really important to feel like it's, and I I use the word control, but I don't mean it in a way that, that we can't have control over birth. We all know this, you know, no more than we can control the moon, but I think it's really important that you set yourself as the person, the decision maker, that everything revolves around your consent.
0: Um,
1: and if you find that you're asking for things that are not being, that there's no collaboration involved, that there is absolutely no wiggle room, you don't have to stay there. Like you don't have to stay there. You, There are many, many places that you can birth and there are many, many people you can birth with. And if you don't feel like you're being supported and that you don't feel like you're safe, then you need to change providers.
0: Janet, it has been so interesting talking about this. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you so much, Shimon. It's my pleasure.
0: That's Janet Purcell. She's a positive birth advocate and registered nurse. For more information on the work Janet does, check out the notes in this episode.